This is WEMF Radio. 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 Hey, I'm Pat B. I'm just Johnny. And we are in the house with... Oh, my name is Michael Taracciano. All right, on the Geek Down on WEMF Radio. Repeat forward bionically. Mm-hmm. All right, there it is. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Geek Down here on WEMF Radio. It's all about the intro. I get a little ahead of my whole lot of Pause! <sighs> So much better. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Geek Down. I am Pat B. On the side of me is my main man, Just Johnny. Yo. Hey, Black Adam Willis couldn't make it tonight, but it's okay. We've still got an action-packed, fun-filled show for you with in-house guest. Michael Taracciano, writer of Star Power, an online uh, sci-fi superhero space adventure. Indeed. Sorry for cutting you off the intro nah, it's there. All right, man. I didn't know if you wanted my whole title or... I didn't know you about it. Yeah, I didn't know you had the whole, like, regal, ah, the fourth Esquire <laughs> representing from the Holy Land. <laughs> now, we are happy to have you joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me out here. Really a pleasure. Oh, good stuff. We are going to get deep into Star Power comics. Get all up into the nitty grit, the cracks. We're going to get deep into Star Power's cracks. Are you ready? I was born ready. Let's lube up. <laughs> okay, now you had to take it one step too far. Come what? on. You said crack. I did not. How dare I didn't say Herb, did I say that? Yes. They're all against me. They're all against me. <laughs> all right, you know, we have an awesome show for you. We have Marvel's Runaways, the new TV show. Well, the new Hulu show. I don't know if we can technically call it TV anymore. I, I don't know, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't have regular TV anymore. I think Hulu is just TV <laughs> now. On like... I'm, all right, old, well, I'm an old man. It's all it's all newfangled techno magic to me. Yeah, back in my day, we had a little thing called TiVo. Man, I could sit there and fast forward rewind. I had a friendly beep. Now with you click kids, now it's all it's all clicks and whistles they, and and stuff. And a TV the old man to, device. You had to I turn like you had to turn the <laughs> dial <laughs> on the TV, man. Okay, okay, okay now you're turn the TV, yeah. man. And like and the, the play the, with the antenna ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, rabbit ears right. for the antenna. Yeah, and then slap the side of it. Yeah, because the picture is flipping, right? It's, uh-huh, it's or it's rolling, rolling that rolling thing. Yeah, I had to walk. I had to walk. Four miles in the snow, both ways uphill. Yeah. To get an RFU. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, no, we are we are the oldest folks alive, right? Actually, Herb, how old are you, brother? If I may ask. No comment. No comment. Okay, <laughs> all right, yeah, 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 we are we are all old as holy hell in here. Talking about devices that I remember when they seemed like the future. Oh my. Oh God. my God! It's gonna translate a, a high def signal. Well, then I better go outside and turn this giant satellite dish four inches to the left so I can hit, so I can see all this goodness. So I can see Grandma, right? I did own a beeper. You did own a beeper? Oh, my God. Oh, there wow. you go. I okay. do not miss those, man. All right. We'll talk about forgotten technology here. Ugh. All right. But no, it's like, okay, so Hulu and Netflix, it does sound like things that uh, some old person who's never heard of technology would make up as, like, fake names. Yeah, right. Oh, you're watching your Hulus there? Hulus and the Netflixes. Yeah. What do you got there? Some kind of flicks on the net? Netflixes. I don't, I don't yeah. think Hulu is, uh, you know, too far-fetched, right? If people know Netflix, which Hulu, just about Hulu the majority of the country is a goofy-ass name, man. If Google didn't become, like, a proper name. Name. Google is something I would have made fun of kids. But, uh, look at y'all, Google. You're gonna what you playing on your Googles? Day? Excuse me, I got a Tiger LCD game waiting because I'm cool. Oh, oh right? yeah, the Tigers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How the many of those did you have, cut. man? Um, in total, I had six, but oh. I, never, I, ne- I never had more than two at a time because they would break real easy. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I would get so frustrated they'd break because I'd chuck them against the wall. It was oh, all okay, like all right. one color too, right? It was just black silhouettes, and then they had like a static background, and yeah, that was it. and yeah. or the background kind of moved, and very like, the slow. screen was yeah. so was so static. Ooh, oh, well, hold, hold on, look, look, look who, look, look at this guy, Rich. Rich, <laughs> I, I had the moving background, Tiger LCD. All right, all right, all right, Warbucks. Yeah, the fans. All right, we we all bow to your prowess <laughs> and superiority here. I think I had. Uh, you had a roll control curtains too. Is that what you had there? Yep. <laughs> oh. Why do I say at that point? Oh, that I, had, I had Shinobi and Gauntlet as a Tiger LC. Shinobi. Oh, you had good ones. I think I had that one. I had. I think I also had Shinobi, and I know for a fact I had Castlevania, and that was oh, awesome. I love that one. I played the hell out of that thing. Uh, I think my brother had Castlevania. I had to fight him for the rights to play the Castlevania yeah. one. You all had to knock down, drag out to play the. Uh, the uh, worst in, uh, uh, iteration <laughs> of the trash, uh, tra the trash. You know, that's right. Of the trash Sylvania franchise. At ever. the time, yeah. it was the coolest thing ever. But How, it was, it was, we it didn't was have the worst of the series, but it yeah. was the best of the Tiger handhelds. Oh no, bullsh! What you, you, my friend, never played bowling. That, that's right. <laughs> the Tiger LCD games. The weird thing. Okay, we're off on a we're off on a proper tangent. So let's just run with it. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, the, the officially the Tiger LCD games were uh, covering all franchises, all uh, systems, all companies took part in this program to get oh, these crappy man. little games to kids. The problem with it is, um, the better the quote unquote franchise game was, the crappier the <laughs> game the the actual the actual game play it would would be because they try to load all this stuff on screen, and I remember I never had more fun than when I played bowling and baseball because oh, they had simple two button uh, uh, operation on the side like one is pitch the other one is steer and that's it you know and baseball one you let you okay I tell the pitcher when to pitch and then I hit the button for when I want to swing that's it Nothing else. Like it, it runs. I hit the button again just to make sure it moves. That's, but there is no. That's kind of like mobile gaming now, though, isn't it? Only just a lot more bells and whistles, and you can uh, give them money in real time. <laughs> I, I, I would, I would agree with you. Five years ago, when it was all, maybe, I mean, even all less right. than five years ago, when it was all, um, uh, what's the latest ver uh, bejeweled. And oh, okay. um, yeah, you know, uh, when farming something, oh, yeah, farm the farming simulators, oh, every new iteration of The Sims that's the exact same game, churched up with a different, with a different <laughs> skin. Clash on of it. Clans, yeah. Cla that's oh, the big one. Geez. That's Clash still going. Clash of, there's a like Clash of, of something, yeah. and you'll find it. The ones advertised by uh, by uh, Mr. T for no reason. What? Yeah, you don't remember that? He had this commercial. I remember the... I'm Mr. T, and if you download this, you can get the new Night Elf Mohawk. Oh, that was oh, World of Warcraft. Yeah, that was awesome. That was World of Warcraft. That was amazing. That was, that was, that was, yeah. wow, I All of a sudden, like, Mr. T was like a computer hacker but, and a programmer. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> there was no Night Elf Mohawk class. He's no. like, I programmed it in. That was great. Yeah. You ever think about that, Mr. Condescendent Director? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe... I love the way he says it. Maybe Mr. T's very handed with computers. <laughs> Like, but when you don't say it like computers, <laughs> computers. Wasn't there a bunch of celebrities for those commercials they too? Did. Yeah. They was started really... with Mr. T. And then yeah. uh, William Shatner did one. Mm. Oh, and I forget who else. Well, I know but it was I, a big. It was a series of them. Yeah, I think Mr. T is the only one that had his own custom-made. Oh wow! Oh. If anyone's watching the feed, which you should be on Twitch.tv/slash/TheGeekDown, if you just listen, I highly suggest you go there and you can see our pretty faces. Okay. But Herb just uh, turned on the gamma rays here. Apparently, the studio has more lights than I've ever seen wow. in. Existence yeah. in this room on. 
So, wow, and goddamn. Nice. Those are some but, um, studio lights right there. Yeah, uh-huh. just threw them out of nowhere. Yeah. Fancy. There goes the budget. Christmas. <laughs> Christmas came early for the studio. All right, there will be no bonuses today. As we turn the lights on. Cracks you all working on Christmas Day. Uh, Tiny Tim's uh, just going on with that. Can be like. <laughs> Um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the Tiger LCD games. I actually had the, uh, I had Double Dragon. Oh, really? Yeah, which I yeah. thought was great. Mm-mm. Oh, I mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course mm-hmm. we thought it was no, great. No, at the time when I saw it in the plastic in the store, I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I got home and played it, I'm like, I have been deceived. <laughs> I know deception for the first time in my life. I would never trust again. Man, Double Dragon was terrible, and I had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They had a TMNT? Oh, yeah. They Tiger had a TMN. Really? It was one of the few made by Konami. It must it was, be yeah, uh, some bigger ones. No, sir. Oh, man. I will give them this, though. For a crappy game, it was extensive because they use different parts of the screen as different levels. So I oh, only wow. use like the first um, th- like third, like that upper slant. Yep. Yep. Uh, third of the screen as like the first level. And you don't really realize because yeah, there'll be an image of one. whatever enemy you're about to face on like the far side of the screen. So you think, oh, I'm going to he's going to utilize that part of the screen. Nope. Because you see that little hint there of who's coming up next. And then when he actually attacks you, he's only on that third of the screen that you're on for that first level. <laughs> so you're like, you're fighting him there. Oh, I guess he just came up to me really quick. My man, he's fast. It's amazing. The second level takes place on like you're climbing a building or you're or climbing a sewer grate or something so it's only in that middle part but everything else seems like the rest of the level is just like empty air or stuff you yeah, know? It's, and it's that cross your eyes gameplay design right there so, <laughs> that, man, that, that they, they were off. they were clever with their garbage because the third level is underwater so naturally you only use the bottom oh, half of the screen the underwater the level is always the worst yeah, yeah. they are it doesn't yeah. matter what game you're playing yeah so they were clever about hiding their um their their hot track God, do you remember uh, Super Nintendo? Uh, uh, let's continue on this yeah, tangent. Why not? Why? Super Nintendo, million years ago, the X Men game that they had. Uh, which one? Because I remember oh, I, I, I had Spider Man, the X Men. There was no, also the was, standalone X Men. This is the standalone X Men where okay. poor Storm had the underwater level. Oh, no, yeah, that's Spider-Man and the X-Men. That's Arcade Spider-Man Revenge. And the X- I had that for... Uh, okay. That, that game was available... Okay, I'll tell you something about that, that game. <laughs> um, it was available for Super Nintendo and Genesis, and it's the only game where I saw... Now, one of the uh, rumors of... Rumors. One of the known facts that has been touted over the years about the uh, SNES and Genesis War is that Genesis games had better gameplay, but SNES games always had better music because the SNES had a higher rank sound card built okay. in. And I never really got that because, they, yeah, they had the ability to play better music, but everything on the SNES was crap. Until years... In fact, I mean, right now, I do believe that's Sonic music playing, which had uh, very well-composed music. Right, yep. But for a rare few select SNES games, of which uh, Spider-Man and the X-Men Arcade Revenge, and I found out yet to see the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, I bought it in the store, and I later on found out, no, that's the whole freaking name. <laughs> because they had no sense of marketing. Is it Spider-Man? <laughs> no, that's a different game. Is it X-Men? No, that's a different game. Arcade's Revenge? That doesn't exist. What about Spider-Man and the X-Men Arcade, colon Arcade's Revenge? Oh, yeah, we have that one here. No one ever buys it because no <laughs> one remembers right the there. damn title. <laughs> yeah, but the music is amazing. And oh, man, to this point... Oh, well, um... 
That's pretty much with all the Marvel games on the SNES. Uh, I think the best uh, no. soundtrack was it was either Maximum Carnage or mm-hmm. Separation Anxiety. I forgot which one, but uh, they had Green Jello. Maximum Carnage. I know. Yes. I know the game because I had it. I know the music because I loved it. Yep. yep. And wait, Green Jello did a video game. They did score? the entire soundtrack mm-hmm. for that game. Yes, they did. Tell. It was amazing. It was, was pretty it, good. Maximum Carnage. Maximum yep. Carnage. Yep. Like Maximum Carnage. So and good. and you've uh, and both. Okay, bo- I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned that. Both of these. Are perfect examples of the greatest soundtracks for the most ridiculous, <laughs> grinding, just yeah. hateful games. They were all like, beat em ups. Yeah, Side scroll beat em ups. Every uh, single one of them. Awful. Same and, 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 you, and you played Arcade Revenge because you know that's where Storm's yeah, yeah. underwater. Ugh. And the thing is, in the book, they did a good job of describing well, you know, Arcade's evil, so he wants to take away Storm's ability to fly because he's a bad guy. Right. So he puts her on. The, no. No. <laughs> they, it, was, it was poorly designed. They, they figured, oh, we'll make her fly like this. Ooh, it'll be great. Uh, she it's got like, no, saddled no, with the underwater level. Man. Yeah, it's the like, this looks one. terrible. How can we fix it? Uh. How about instead of in air, she's in water. That way, it'll it'll be it'll justify the awkward looking. No. no. <laughs> Oddly enough, um, one I still have and play to this day in my regular MP3 rotation uh, background music is from that game. Uh, it is it, it's the Gambit level, which was the worst. And no, wait, wait, the underwater level wasn't the worst one. Believe it or not, what? The, Gamb- the Gambit, yeah. The Gambit level, it starts you off um, just in this, like, void. It looks like an old-school Mario platformer, okay. one of the nighttime levels. And you hear this oh. funky song. Funkiest song I've, I've ever heard in the game. I still have it on my... On my I'll, I'll play it. I'll get my, grab my phone right there. <laughs> um, but great song. And I'm just there, like, the first time I, I, I pop up, I'm just jamming. I'm like, oh, this is, this is great. What's going to happen? Crush. And the entire level, you're Gambit. You think, I'm jumping here, I'm throwing cards, I'm doing all this stuff. Yeah. No. You're Gambit on this level where you're running from a giant spiked ball nonstop. Oh, and you know, that, that's I, what annoyed me about that that game. Like, it had the X-Men, but you didn't get to do any of the X-Men oh, stuff. Oh, no, it was... You didn't get to be Gambit throwing the cards mm-hmm. and going, Mon Chéri, or whatever the hell. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you were Storm. You didn't get to throw lightning. You, you got to hold your breath. Yeah. Wow. Oh, no, the wonder was... of mutant powers. She's... she's She's doing static apnea and just it swimming was, exercises. I just like that, you know, being gammon, just cajuning, you know. <laughs> just cajuning everywhere. Yeah, just cajuning everywhere. <laughs> like I'm throwing crawfish at him. Take that. <laughs> what you want, jambalaya? Oh. <laughs> oh, no, that was an awful game. Um, I do appreciate, though, how in the Wolverine level, uh, it's him in, in this, like, ridiculous statistic circus. And surprisingly, I did like the the circus music that they included with it. But then um, you could retract the claws, and then you just get like this the most satisfying punch sound effect. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's literally an entire level of Wolverine running through punching clowns. <laughs> and I don't know why that was so therapeutic. Uh, that's where the bu- budget went, right there. <laughs> it may have been because you take you, you you have the claws, and everything's more effective with the claws. But you retract the claws, and you get, and the healing factor kicks in. Oh. Yeah. So any damage you take starts to replenish, and also, you get the more satisfying punch sound. Where but it's like, but obviously, yeah. it's the weaker attack. It's the weaker attack, but it only takes like two extra hits, whereas the claws would take two, the punch would take four or six. But the claws, you go right. every time you attack. That, that's 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 kind of nothing. I'm it's Wolverine. I want to hear like slash and swing and yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, you want to 
yeah, <laughs> guts actually ripping as yeah, you that, like. That'd be great. Got a clown in, in a kids game. Yeah, yeah of course. You don't, you don't want to kill the clown immediately. I mean, you're, <laughs> oh. you're Wolverine and you're punching clowns. Let that drag out the pad. <laughs> Just pad it out. Well, imagine you can do that, or you can jump through, and as this guy's laughing at you here. <laughs> and I'm just like, every, you play every other level, then you play that one last, so you can figure, oh, how much I hate this. <laughs> put Gambit in a giant chess game with put, a ball. Put Storm underwater. God yeah. Damn it. Yeah, I got Spider-Man. He's in a construction site. I'm like, okay, cool. That seems like a place Spider-Man would do yeah. some good swinging and stuff. Climbing, no. It's, it's, it's all enclosed. Oh, so, man. yeah. The, so, every time you try to swing, you hit some rebar. Uh, it's, 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 it's like they're purposely <laughs> limiting their capabilities, right? Storm can fly. Let's yeah. put her underwater. Let's right. get that flying, which I guess so. is a, which I guess is creative as a comic book idea and is garbage as, as a, a fun experience. Garbage yeah. as a fun experience as yeah. a video game. Like yeah, I get to finally play as my favorite mutant and I get to do none of what they're famous for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a debacle plus one. Ooh, debacle. Uh -huh. Uh, well, we got so far off. That's <laughs> really um, sorry about that. No, no, not at all, not at all. That was that was that was good radio. Herb's oh, over there riveted, like, okay, I'm not gonna buy this. I'm not gonna buy this. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, green Jello, though. Uh, yes, it was God. green Jello before yep. they got sued and had to change it to green jelly. Green jelly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Maximum man. Carnage is a game. Actually, what which background music is playing here? Because I can't, I don't get any sound through here. But it might. Uh, okay, still, still Sonic there. Oh, uh, we have different. That sounds like Sonic. Yeah, yeah we have uh, background music that plays different, uh, like comic themes and TV themes and just general fun stuff. It's kind of open source. <laughs> uh, just so, so please don't sue. But um, one of them is loaded with uh, Tim and Jeff Fallen music uh, from uh, Tim and Jeff Fallen of the composers. Um, oh, oh, other composers. Okay. Um, for a lot of video game music, including um, Spider-Man and the X-Men, oh. Arcade Revenge, and uh, some Maximum Carnage tunes, because the stuff is infectious. It gets in your head, and you're just yeah. like, I found myself humming that years later, not knowing where the hell it came from, and by 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 the graces, I come across like a YouTube rabbit hole, and it's just like, <gasps> Oh my god! It just clicks. Yeah, after and eight years, the nightmare ends. It's know? like it's like that moment in Ratatouille where like the villain, the food critic, like eats the Ratatouille and just flashbacks <laughs> to when he's a kid. You hear that music and you flash back to like hearing it in the video game. Like my eyes have seen the glory. <laughs> All right, no, we were talking about. Well, we briefly started talking about Marvel's Runaways, which we have lined up for you. Also, I'm gonna give you the inside stuff on the Disaster Artist. If anyone's seen the room and hopefully you have I'm kind of surprised at the lack of people in this room right now that haven't Johnny your homework it'll, assignment is to see the room sometime this week it. it'll get corrected I will definitely uh, find that where where can I easily find it you can though? find it anywhere um you like any uh, any any um <clears throat> less than reputable resource online will have oh, it okay they also have right. midnight screenings uh, I know there's one actually right here in Boston at the Coolidge Corner Theater in um in in uh, in uh, in, in uh, Brookline no, in the Cool Corner Theater in Brooklyn. Oh, okay, yep, yep. Yep, they have midnight screenings there all the time. I, uh, there's one coming up on the 16th, I want to say. Right. 15th to 16th. Or, this is going to boom with a disaster artist out now. Oh, I hope I mean, I'm so. sure it already was, but like... Uh, might as, be booked, a, booked ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, as bad as the room is, the disaster artist is the perfect way to present to mass audiences who may not be uh, aware that such a beautiful, beautiful train wreck exists. 
Yes, indeed. My wife got really mad at me for showing her that movie. What? Why? <laughs> well, I wanted to see how bad it was, and she got... I hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> I wanted to share the experience with her. And I was like, sweetie, I've heard amazingly bad things about yes. this amazingly bad movie. Let's sit down and watch it. And I could just... And I'm marveling mm-hmm. at what a train wreck it oh, is. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, there are... There are... I can't describe how bad it is. If, if you want to redeem you yourself with her. But you can't look away. She couldn't look away. She <laughs> When I when I show her, to this day, yeah. when I show her things she doesn't like that I think she's going to like, she gets up and leaves the room. I'm like, oh, well, are, okay. hey, are you going to stay and watch the thing? Like, nah, this isn't for me. Sorry, sweetie. I'm like, oh, well. She stayed through the room. Though, mm. I, though, wow. though I could catch her just looking over me just... Just hating, hate, just radiating the, the disdain. With the arms crossed and the I frown, like, why have you so done much. this to me? No. I can't leave because it's so bad. I have to see how badly this ends. And then we got to the end, and yeah. <laughs> if, if she wants more punishment, check out Helena. Helena? Helena. Helena. This, uh, regale us with the tales of Helena, What's if you will, Helena? please, Johnny. Uh Oh, man. If you want to see the worst ending, like, plot twist ending mm. in any movie ever of all time like completely like it was going like all right like the first like half the movie is boring as hell mm-hmm. but then it gets to slightly interesting very disturbing kind of movie and you're like all right cool this is, this is at least you know it's a very disturbing movie mm-hmm. and then the twist happens and it it, it robs you so much of what, and itself so much of whatever decency and whatever slight tinge of artistry it had in the writing gone out the window wait a minute is this boxing helena yes that's it oh boxing helena. okay yeah. Boxing I've heard Helena. of Boxing Helena. Yeah, never seen it. That's it. That's it. That's the one. But watch like a, it. Sound like a Tony it. Scott or Michael Bay film. What's going on there? Oh God! From I. Right, so you've seen it. Oh yeah. yeah. But so from what I've heard of it, it's about this. Oh, what was his name? Julian something. The guy who was the warlock. Oh, uh, Julian. Julian uh, Assange. There you go. No. Yeah. <laughs> Some guy and his name is Julian Fries. He yes. gets obsessed <laughs> with uh, this lady, and uh, I, I don't, don't want to. Well, from what I understand, how, the movie, how old is he, the movie? First he, of all, oh, like he basically early, ni- early 90s. Oh yeah, no, because he's spoil away. He cuts her arms and legs off. Beautiful to keep her. I think, and, and a, keeps her in a box. I, I've, I've seen that website. Yeah. Yeah. Boxes. Yeah. yeah, no, it's wonderful. It's a bookmark her, but you go to... No, not the time? Okay, no, sorry, never no, mind. Box and, and he keeps her in a box. So keeps her in a box, busts her up, puts her on top of a table, hand she's like her. A, she yeah. becomes like a little ornament or like display piece. And she's still alive? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because he's... I mean, uh, it, it's, it's not Okay, it's I get not it, like, literally boxing. Literally yeah. boxing Helena. I thought this was, like a, this was like a... a, a no, I don't know, a no. sci-fi rip-off of a million dollar baby or something. It's it's. You know, it's like, it's like she stubbed the toe, pulled the plug. Have, that, you know? may have been inter- that may be interesting. It's full-blown creepo. And well, that dude, the go dude who plays Julian, whatever the hell his name is, he was in that movie, the late 80s movie called Warlock. Mm, which that's is a, that's, a, that's that, a deep cut. That's actually a really good movie. I liked Warlock. If you ever want to watch like a legit Warlock D and D style Warlock movie, mm-hmm. that's the one that's because the one. all the powers that that Warlock does that is legit straight out of D and D player's handbook. Look, there is no nice. truer um, witch and warlock and supernatural powered uh, display that's been more accurate than Bewitched. All right, uh, I'm calling BS right now. <laughs> all right, we're gonna have to have we're a, doing a warlock uh, versus Bewitched. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think my favorite part of I'm sorry. The favorite part of Warlock is when the dude the dude who who followed the warlock from the past, the barbarian dude, just brings like a lamppost onto a plane. <laughs> and they let him do it. 
It's like, it's his carry-on. The steward is like, oh, okay. You said this was the 80s, right? This was the 80s, yeah. Oh, the yeah, dude you, just you, brings like a, a, a wrought iron lamppost yeah. onto a plane. Just puts it in the overhead bin because it's made of, this, it's made of a certain metal that can like pierce the warlock's yeah. magic or something. It's a good proper B-horror movie. It's, but it's, it's got, got what you want right. for it. All the campiness, all the stuff you want. It's not like exceptional, but... It's there. It's it'll and the, satisfy that. And that the need. dude who yeah. plays the warlock is just is naturally just sort of like, like pretty creepy. Yeah. Like I he's not, he not pretty creepy. Uh, yeah. Pretty comma and creepy. Like okay. he's a pretty guy, or he was in the in the in the late eighties, early nineties. I don't know what he looks mm. like now. But like, <laughs> but like um, he had like you know long golden golden hair. Like very hair. Yeah, he kind of did, and like this, these really chiseled features. He kind of looked like an Rutger evil. Hauer? No, think of like an evil elf without the ears. And that's what this guy looked like. Oh, I'm getting his um, Hugo Weaving, who actually played yeah, an elf, but he's got those facial features where it's. Like... I would. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. If, if, if you've never seen the guy, think of Hugo Weaving. Right. Maybe a little younger, blonde hair. That's the warlock. All right. People get away from that. You can always be fooled by the. Um, I don't know the roles that you first see them in. Uh, did you ever? See, you've seen the Mighty Ducks, I hope. Oh yeah. Okay, the I mean dude, a million years ago, but yeah, I've seen the Mighty Are the dude that played Hans, very friendly old uh, old Swedish guy. Oh man, all I all I remember from the Mighty Ducks are the ducks and Emilio Estevez. Oh, I don't okay. remember Hans. Good, and you forgot no way. Uh, and, uh, well, <laughs> very very friendly old Swedish guy who uh, sharpened his hockey states and taught him, taught him the uh, or retaught Gordon Bombay the importance of teamwork. Uh, and and, and good, the old mentor of the good show, clean yeah, teeth. Good clean teeth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, your priorities are way out of whack, Johnny. I mean, not that dental hygiene is not important, but uh, we're talking about hockey here. Oh, I, <laughs> all right. You, you, I mean, those those teeth are like are like at, at at best the third or fourth thing on your mind. Was I sticking and my possibly not going to last the, the entire season? Was I, like someone's punching those out, <laughs> out, out your face? Uh, was I sticking my tail where it doesn't belong? I'm guessing that's a duck reference. You are reaching, sir. <laughs> and, and, and I applaud you. You know, I value your friendship. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad you want to be a part of this show. But it's just like I thought after all this time we'd have taught you better. But I mean, Herb, you can back me up on that. Sometimes we go back and watch the the uh, these episodes and just see you reaching so far. Oh yeah, for a pun, just yep. to just to get it out there. I mean, yep. I mean, first first learn to start, learn to stand before you can fly, my friend. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. See what I did there, though. Yep. Before you can. Fly. Uh, yep. uh, uh, inspirational duck. <laughs> inspirational duck pun. <laughs> All right, but uh, long story short, uh, that dude there, extra friendly, really likable in um, Mighty Ducks. I saw this movie. Um, it wasn't Cyborg, but it was Cyborg something, and it had one of those very '80s tradition, uh, st uh, stereotypical titles, um, where he played a an evil um, CEO who unleashed a cyborg on some hostages. Okay. So they could die, but his hands would stay clean. And this man's voice is the most evil thing you will ever imagine. And then I realized, wow, that dude sounds. What? And then you see his face. Like, you hear him first, and it's like, wow, they found the devil himself. <laughs> That's amazing. And I thought I had a badass voice. I thought James Earl Jones was some stuff, but this guy. And then they show him, and it's a uh, friendly Hans <laughs> from Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Yeah, in, in this, like, in this suit, and what's, what's left of his hair is, like, slicked back. 
and and it's unleashing just, cyborgs onto civilians. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the before you hear, before you see him, it's just like wow, this man's voice. I mean, it's it's like Charles Manson has got nothing on the homes here, and then you see him, and I'm like, he's he's giving Hans like uh, he's giving Gordon Bombay and the team Hassenpfeffer for for you know to, for breakfast for a game and stuff, making friends. <laughs> it, it's it, it it's mind blowing. <laughs> so just keep that in perspective. That movie starred. Um, that movie's protagonist was the bad guy in Karate Kid. Just a heads up there. Not not oh. uh, but not, not buddies. Uh, but, Johnny? Yo, you know, the not, not Billy. Oh, the dojo. The, right? the yeah. dojo guy. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Never forget his name. I know I, his I, name I, every time I see it. Every time I see, that dude was in a ton of action movies yeah. before the Karate Kid or after the Karate. I don't know. <laughs> but all I can ever see of him because mm-hmm. of my childhood is like. The evil dojo, the evil sensei. Yeah, it doesn't matter what heroic roles he's in, like saving babies and hostages and beautiful women from robots. You, he deserved no mercy. We do not practice. We do not practice to be merciful. You're always thinking, you know, off camera, he's punching babies. Yeah, or he's you know beating up his students. (laughs) He's just foot sweeping. He's about to kill. He's just sweeping legs left and right. (laughs) He can't help himself. He's going home down the street, sweeping legs, bleeding from the mouth or the nose. Sunday, do your homework. No, Dad, sweep, sweep. Like, hey, uh, hey, neighbor, would you mind moving your car? It's blocking me. Sweep. Sweep (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I'm sorry, um, you're late. You're 10 minutes late for your doctor's appointment. We can't see you. Sweep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What what, what were we talking about? You wanted wanted to talk about both runways and uh, the disaster Yes, we were talking about the disaster artists. But I feel like I keep keep pulling you away from what you want to talk about. I'm so sorry. Note this this historical achievement, because we started with uh, talking about The Room (laughs) and ended up with that guy from Karate Kid. All right, um, but Johnny, you actually got to check out a game that we didn't get to last week. We couldn't cover, unfortunately, but we'll take another crack at it now. Tooth and Tail. Oh, yeah, Tooth and Tail. So this is a real-time strategy game that it, you're playing as uh, these this rat mousy type leader mm-hmm. and there's different leaders for four different factions in this game but essentially what's happening is you're playing as animals mm-hmm. uh, in this real time strategy game where it's all about food and the scarcity of food now not there's regular food right there's like yeah. grain uh, that you can uh, farm but you're not farming it I was the gonna pigs say are farming it and the pigs are farming it to feed themselves, mm-hmm. and then as the civilized animals in these different civiliz- uh, these different factions, they're eating the pigs. <laughs> the rats are eating the pigs. The rats, the frogs, the uh, the badgers, and the, they're and all the eating warthogs. The pigs. They're all eating. It's all about this this war that has erupted between these factions because uh, <clears throat> one faction ate the child of another faction's leader because they were hungry. Wow. So they ate them. And then it started like this this whole war between the civilized and the uncivilized and the haves and the have-nots. What the hell kind of dark, barbaric stuff is... And it's all about meat 
and whoever, whoever is eating meat, meat, they are the civilized. They are they are the the one the worthy ones to sort of rule over all other factions that exist within this world. Oh, versus you say worthy, those I think like Simon Belmont from uh, the uh, Captain N or um, or Peter Perfect. Ah, I see you talk like this because ah, I'm the I'm the hero. Now let's eat our competitor. You know, it's, this that, is it's exactly with, that, that, with a weird uh, dichotomy here. So the, so the, you're warring with uh, mm-hmm. each other's factions, and then you're the spoils of war is you're literally you're eating the enemies you know that, that's the point like you're warring so that you can get more meat and you war more uh in order to get more meat to feed your troops in order to Damn. yeah so and you know what no I'm, I'm taking the wrong the wrong attitude here that's that's how i think we'll end we'll we'll finally achieve world peace yes <laughs> imagine if if, if if someone's like okay now we we, we we can attack you um um you know afghanistan but if we win we're gonna eat you afterwards. You know this, right? <laughs> you know it's like no, no, no happy, no funerals and stuff. You're not going back home. All right, you see uh, 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 Osama? Yeah, we, we we chowed down on that fool. All right, so I mean, I mean, just just, just letting you know, uh, we made crudite out of him. So things get way weirder because all of oh, well, this I'm, weirder. I'm, weirder. Yeah, well, no, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I think that would be an effective tactic, and it, it seems to work from tooth and tail. Yes, it it very much does. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that it's an RTS elements. But uh, the story in the world itself is sort of centered on this haves versus have-nots, mm. and the aesthetic is like this um, communistic, uh, sort of Eastern Europe mm. uh, sort of fight between elitists, the, a faction that's all about, there's sort of like the elitists, another faction that's sort of like the ruffians, kind of like, almost like a... Um, like uh the uk like like the uk mob mm-hmm. uh like the english mob or whatever something like that like very ruffian style you know they're at a bar their 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 central location is at a bar mm-hmm. and you're just getting everyone <laughs> drunk they run distilleries and they're talking about different jobs that they're going to pull off this, and whatnot right. and then there's another faction that is the communistic fa- uh, faction where everyone is kind of poor the leader of this faction or not the leader but the one that you control as the leader uh, going through combat, uh, she has one arm, and there's all sorts of different stories that go around as to why she has one arm, whether she starved herself so much that she ended up eating her own arm, or Damn. she gave her arm to her uh, to her faction members in order to eat so that they wouldn't starve. So somebody ate the arm. It's like, been, that, that's yeah. just a given. And, and that's sort of like the people's... Uh, republic kind of thing, like the communistic from the from Damn. the grassroots faction, and then there is that is, that is the most faction. that is the most gangster. Yeah, uh, imagine that. It's like, it's like it's like it's like first of all, both scenarios. Like my people, you are hungry. I will look out for you. Trust in me. Yo, forget you. We starving. I got you. Swack. <laughs> so dinner which, is served. Which animals? It's like we don't want to eat are that. These? Who said that? Like which is like like do so you, do you remember the, like which is the one which which animals are represented by the one who like cut off her arm to feed her So troops? it's the factions are all uh colorized. So the red faction which, <laughs> which is why I said like the communistic fa- uh, faction. The red faction has that particular leader. All the leaders uh that you're controlling uh during the gameplay are all rat-like creatures, rat or mice like oh, creatures. Oh, okay. Uh and then all the other creatures that you're sort of building, your den and your warrens uh, in order to sort of spawn them because uh, like I said this is a RTS style mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. 
those range from, uh, as I said, squirrels, but not just any squirrels. Oh, I misunderstood. They are the Distillery Brothers. <laughs> so they are a bunch of squirrels that make their own acorn ale and get wasted off yeah. of it. And then they have these pistols, and they're, they're, they're like a ranged unit, so they're shooting things, Jeez. but they're also like half drunk while doing it. <laughs> you, have, you have like these weird, like barbarian like northern like like northern russian barbarian lizards that have like fur wrapped up uh like they wear like fur but they're lizards and they will they're like really fast and speedy and you can sort of uh overrun oh, okay. enemies I, I, misunderstood. Uh, I thought every i thought every faction was a different animal no, no, oh, okay. No. So, I, I so it's the factions are all they all have access to the same collection of animals. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so it's, they're more divided by ideology than they are species, yes. okay. and and that sort of ties into uh, the story element. So that's that is uh, the campaign part of this game where you're going through each of the four different factions mm -hmm. in this story that's ongoing and you see the relationship between them and the reasons why the war has started and then where it sort of leads to uh, and sort of who triumphs over everything. Mm -hmm. That's the campaign part of it and then there's the whole multiplayer part of it which is surprisingly uh, well-tuned uh, and robust and has uh, this ranking ladder system uh, to it, kind of like what you'd get out of StarCraft, right? Like mm -hmm. the, the big king of the RTS-style games. This game sort of does all of those, it checks all of those boxes to what would be like what a RTS-style game needs to have. It checks all those boxes, but it also does it in a very bite-sized, fast sort of gets to the chase, boils down, uh, distills, if you will, it ac actually kind of says that, distills the essence of what makes an RTS game mm -hmm. down to the fundamentals, and that is sort of what you play in each particular match or each particular level, right? In other RTS games like Command and & Conquer and, and uh, Warcraft and all those other ones, you're, you have to manage uh, multiple monetary resources and then you have to sort of build multiple structures and there's multiple tiers uh, and you have to go through research and things like that. And you get attacked by that jerk who built an army first before anything else and then attacked you while you were yeah, still trying to get yeah. some wood. Yeah. No pun intended. This one is not that. It's you. All you build is these mills called gristle mills, which is uh, the mills that raise the wheat that the pigs then eat. That you then eat the pigs, uh, and that's it. And there's this one other resource place, which is a campfire where you're roasting meat on the campfire. They they sort of added that into the multiplayer um, through some uh, through some recent patches. I'm hearing uh, the potential for a lot of grinding. Was this really grind heavy? This is not grind heavy. Um, each each match is anywhere between five and ten minutes long, mm -hmm. so they are very very quick matches. The single player part of it, the story is sort of separated between matches and then when you are or the levels that you're playing. And when you're when you're not playing these uh, tailored levels, you are going through this confined room. Uh, it's it's a big room. It's a, like more like a big environment, and you're moving around it and talking to all the different NPCs that are part of your faction. You might get representatives from other factions in there. And it's really sort of, you learn about the story by talking to 
these NPCs that are around the room and you're going through each of the factions different sort of headquarters locations and having a chat with them and learning more about the world and learning more about all of their uh, suffer uh, suffrages and, and whatnot mm -hmm. uh, uh, because you're running low on meat uh, and then when you're going into the multiplayer part of it, the other big part of it that separates it from everything else is that uh, the maps are randomly generated. So because of this random generation, there's this aspect of, uh, of RTSs that is pretty important. And because with the randomized map generation, it's even more important is the whole scouting aspect. So because you don't know the map and the opponent also doesn't know the map, it forces you uh, to sort of explore one another and to look at each other's uh, home base and see how they're building uh, their own set of uh, assets. There's a lot to the there's a lot of miniature nuances uh, to the gameplay and to how the matches play out uh, that would take a long time to explain but it's for a game that's very simple uh, as far as the number of different Elements, you're only selecting six different units to bring into a match, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not building like 12 different units with a bunch of different other research options. It's very, very confined and very, uh, uh, well, let's just say it's confined. Very, it seems very contained yeah. because normal RTS games, uh, at least that I'm familiar with, I'm building maybe two different classes and then I'm focusing on uh, excuse me, tanks and vehicles and such. Yeah, it, it's like that, except you make that decision before you start the match. Mm -hmm. And then as you're playing through the match, you're working with the limited set of units that you pre-selected beforehand. And after that, it's really just execution. And the other part about this game that makes it really, really work well and really nail that simple, distilled part of the RTS mm -hmm. is that it's better to play on a controller versus keyboard and mouse, really? which is kind of unheard of for RTS games yeah. where it's always, you know, play with keyboard and mouse. In this one, all of your commands, all of your meta, uh, macro, uh, micro level controls, you are just controlling the leader. And through the positioning of where you place the leader, your troops will then follow suit through two different types of commands that you can issue them. And that sort of controls everything else about the RTS elements and it really simplifies things but still keeps the level of complexity and the level of thinking that you need to sort of invest and sort of think about uh, what the opponent's going to do, how to react against what they're doing, how to get, you know, some sort of advantage. You know, they might be um, defending, you know, putting up a bunch of defensive fortifications. If they're doing that, then you might be like, all right, while they're doing that, I'm going to invest in more gristle mills and expand my economy so that I can raise uh, more troops faster. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. And it's it really is what it says. It's real-time strategy distilled down into a very 5 to 10 minute uh, bite-sized chunks. And it is absolutely fantastic. I give it a definite thumbs up. This is one of the best RTS games, uh, RTS real-time strategy games that I've played in years. All right, damn, I'm, I'm kind of impressed because normally you hate everything. <laughs> so that is that. Oh, kudos to Tooth and Tail. What's it available on? It's available on PS4 and Steam on PC, mm -hmm. and it's twenty dollars. Uh, it's definitely worth the twenty dollars, but you know, Steam holiday sales coming up, so you could probably get it for less than that. Play it with a controller, also. I highly recommend playing it with a controller, even though you can do it with keyboard and mouse if you're playing on PC. I actually prefer playing on a controller. All right, surprising. 
All right, the game is Tooth and Tail available now. Um, just Johnny actually says, just get it. Yeah, just get it, man. It, it's awesome. All right, now we are gonna kick it over to. That, that, that's you. Oh me? Oh hi. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> I didn't uh, know where we were going. We're, we're, oh well. Oh sorry. No, he was he was transfixed. I was transfixed. I was yeah. I was I was lost in the world of tooth and tail. All right. It's a okay. It's a okay. We are talking now to one of the uh, main forces of uh, Star Power Comics. This is a actually um, Star Power has a an active Kickstarter right now. Yeah, we're in the last um, two days. I've been I'm a dummy and I can't count. I've been. I've been promoting like crazy. Today's the last day of the Kickstarter. Today's the last day. Tomorrow is the last day of the Kickstarter. Tomorrow, okay. But drama <laughs> on a Monday on, on the internet. No one seemed to notice. Yeah, throw it I, I was yeah. I was dramatic enough, and I I typed "final day" in all caps when I was promoting it on social media. Mm. That no one seemed to have noticed. Like, hey, there's actually like 33 hours left in your campaign. <laughs> Tonight is today is not the last day, dummy. Hey, no, you, you caught the couple people that weren't paying attention. You had them rush out. They like, did? Oh man, I yeah, gotta get we my got hands on. We got a bunch of pledges today for uh, you know the last the last couple days of a Kickstarter, whether nice. it's whether it's funded or not, and ours is funded. So, and we're very very grateful for that. Mm. Um, but even so, like we've got a bunch of pledges today at the at the at the, at the wire good for and you, very man. very grateful for that yeah yeah nice all right so for any of our listeners who uh didn't check the um the pre-show literature uh i want to give them a heads up on what star power is i mean i can I, I can do my elevator pitch if you like go right ahead all right elevate away all righty well star power is a web comic that i write um my friend garth graham he's the artist for it he's his work is second to none uh it's a sci-fi superhero space adventure it updates new pages every monday wednesday and friday at starpowercomic.com it's about an astronomer on a space station in the far future who gets granted the star power and that lets her become star power now she has to figure out where the star power came from what the hell's coming after her now and why and what happened to the rest of the galaxy it's pretty classic take on like the sci-fi superhero thing like we were we weren't trying to rewrite the book on what it means to be a sci-fi superhero or you know go in any new directions with like the basic concept but we think we've added our own ingredients to the traditional recipe. Well, you don't want to toy with this stuff. It sounds like you're uh, going um, for a post-apocalyptic tale of triumph um, and discovery. Not exactly. Uh, a well, utopian it, tale the, of, um, <laughs> macro, of macrame we took a, and, <laughs> um, and, and, and social studies. We, took a, we, took a, uh, we were very, very inspired by the Foundation Trilogy by Isaac Asimov. Mm. And um, if you don't know the Foundation Trilogy, uh, one, it's a cornerstone of science fiction. Highly, highly recommend it. Mm. Great read. But in the Foundation... Oh, like Fifty Shades of Grey. I know. Dude, you want to talk good literature. Oh, my God. Yeah, historically. <laughs> that'll be taught in textbooks. <laughs> but but uh, in, in the Foundation, the Foundation is the last vestige of civilization for uh, a galaxy that's fallen to barbarism. Mm. Star power takes place in our version of the Foundation. It's called the Millennium Federation. And now that Star Power has the Star Power, she, the, the rest of the galaxy is this post-apocalyptic, apocalyptic, barbaric mess. The wastes that the were The wastes of the galaxy. The f- yeah. There was a, it was a huge galactic empire. It was, a, it was crazy, and it fell apart in a giant war. But it never reached the Millennium Federation. Mm. So the Millennium Federation is what it is. It is this. It's, it's, a, it's a sci-fi utopia. But beyond the borders of the Millennium Federation, where the star power came from, everything is a mess. Hmm. So in the star, in in our 
in our story, the Millennium Federation doesn't need star power. They got things under control, like Galactic Defense, who's their police force. They're good people. They are a competent police force, not really corrupt. Again, but well, I'm, I'm okay. Okay, I see you write high fantasy. Then that's, yeah, that's, no, that's, that's it's amazing. hey, you know, it's it's science fiction. It's escapism. I I don't like to subscribe to. An apocalyptic future. Mm. I remember when I was a kid, science fiction was always well. The sci-fi I saw mm. was hopeful. Our future was bright and shining and gleaming, and we all had jetpacks and we could fly and uh, we had uh, yes. like everything was better. And it's retrofuturism. The past visions of the future, future are the and better ones. Somewhere around the early '80s, that was com- that was just completely out the window because Mad Max became cool. You know, uh, every every Paul Verhoeven movie takes place in the, in the <laughs> darkest future imaginable, and it's and it's very prevalent today. Everyone thinks the future is going to be this rusted mess, and it probably to, will yeah, be. Yeah, to, to, be, to but, be fair, all you have to do is turn on the news. Yeah, no, and you know what? There is evidence. So I wa- so I wanted to make this world you wanted to escape to, not you wanted to escape from. I wanted to go back to that science fiction and that superheroism that I grew up with, the kind that gave you hope, that kind of made you like. I want this power because it seems amazing. Not, oh, I don't know what it means to be a hero. Maybe I'm really a burden. And people who write those stories are very good at writing those stories. But that doesn't mean I have to write those stories. I have no interest in that overwhelming, overbearing darkness. I'm not saying those stories are lesser. Hmm? There are people who can write those stories and they do them very well. But no, I, can, I can't. I can't do it. No, I can't let's, do it. Let's, let's, let, no, Dean Kunz. Dean Kunz is garbage. <laughs> okay, let's just put that out there now. I've got. I gotta make. I want to be. I want to write a story where there's a light in the dark, and the light can actually pierce the darkness. It's not a futile light. It's an actual like. Oh my God! We never had hope before. Mm. Now you're here, and you're bringing us hope. Hey, wait a minute. This is what superheroes used to be like. Oh, hey, this is actually kind of fun. That's not a thing that happened. They were never like that. They've always been dark and horrible and gritty. <laughs> Ever since comics started back in 1984 with The Punisher. Uh, no, I do. I really like that. It's less of a... Uh, it's less Flash Roger... Flash Rogers. Flash it's less, Rogers. It's less uh, Flash... Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's less Flash Gordon Moore, Gordon Bobbitt. Uh, I was going to say Flash Gordon Buck Rogers, but maybe that's an outdated reference. Um, um, well, I think... Maybe... But we have Google. People people don't get it. They can look it up. Like, Flash Gordon, who the hell's that? Or you can bing it. Or bing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're, not, we're not doing that. But no, I, I dig that, though, because, like you said, apocalyptic future is the way things have gone for the longest time. That's been the more prominent vision of the future in most of the science fiction I've been exposed to. And I've always liked... Uh, you really only see it in older affair too. I've always liked uh, those visions of the future that show everyone's gonna wear like these uh, spandex pants because they're aerodynamic and they oh, yeah. fly. <laughs> you know, they all have jetpacks. They all have ray guns and fins on their helmets and stuff. Oh, you know, and the, they and all the, drive cars that have little rings <laughs> around the exhaust. Yeah, and the early in the early iterations of Star Power before it was Star Power, Garth really wanted to do that old school like fishbowl helmet, ah, like ray gun adventure with like everybody's spacesuits had like the superhero. Emblems. I love that stuff. I thought it was great, but I didn't think it had enough staying power for me to write it. Like, I could do, like, a storyline, and then, well, we're done with that storyline. I have to do this again? <laughs> uh. <laughs> so Star Power had more legs uh, for us. 
Okay. All right. You want to give us a uh, bit of a rundown of um, the typical Star of Power story? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. Well, oh, I can give you a summary of our first four storylines, actually, which yeah. all of which have been kickstarted into books, um, which you can buy off of our website, starpowercomic.com. Want to give it one uh, more time? Herb coughed over the uh, oh, promo sorry. there. Uh, the website where you can read Star Power completely for free. Everything we've ever done is starpowercomic.com. Cool. Um, Star, we started with Star Power in the Ninth Wormhole. That was kind of the origin story. She gets her powers in the first six pages, mm-hmm. and we just hit the ground running. Like we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't mess around. We're like, well, you guys know you're here for the superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Page six, superhero. Nice. And just go. So it's a lot of her playing catch up in the first one, like like, like discovering that she is now the last of the star-powered Sentinels. What the hell is coming after her now, and why? Um. You are the only one that remains, and only Horizon the creature is coming to get you. Uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> we wanted to Can do, you survive? We wanted to keep it simple. Again, we wanted to keep it simple. We'd never done sci-fi superhero stuff as creators before, so we didn't want to try rewriting the book on wh- how to write a superhero story. So we just kept it simple. Um, I like that. We I'm added a couple origin yeah. stories left and right. Yeah. Like, let me get to the meat of it. Yeah. So in our second, so the ninth wormhole is her is star power learning that the ninth wormhole invasion is coming now that the star power has returned. Turned and learned that there were eight others before it, before that, and that's kind of how the galaxy around the Millennium Federation went to garbage. The eighth wormhole invasion was the one that killed all the star-powered Sentinels and destroyed the Galactic Empire, except for the Millennium Federation, which it never reached. Okay. The second book we did... I hear good things about the sixth um, wormhole invasion, so... That was the party invasion. Yeah. yeah just, <laughs> they, tried to, they tried to keep things light. Yeah, the, seventh, the seventh one, they were posing, man, giving Indian burns and stuff, you know, not really, really doing any... Um, so, if... So, if... Star Power and the Ninth Wormhole was our Star Wars mm-hmm. in its tone. Uh, Star Power and the Search for Black Hole Bill, our second story, was kind of like The Empire Strikes Back. We pulled, we slowed things down significantly so we could finally learn a little more about the characters mm-hmm. who've all been given these powers. That was more of a, it was, it was more of a character study and also a hunt for uh, a bad guy who escaped from the first one. Mm-hmm. Star Power and the Mystery of the Zelgux Dynasty was uh, our adventure. Oh, it was a planet hop. It was a funny. Oh, sure. And the mystery of the Zelgox dynasty. Oh, I like that. It was much better than I could do it. <laughs> um, that was our planet hopping adventure. There was no there was no looming bad guy chasing them. There was no threat on the horizon. It was just trying to solve a puzzle. And they're trying and it, it it it's a major revelation about the nature of the star power and the and the Zelgux who created the star power. Okay, was any of your influence like Tintin or those early um, I think un- I think unconsciously, mm-hmm. um, Indiana. Jo- I mean the Indiana Jones movies, mm-hmm. um, any of the '80s adventure movies where like it's a treasure hunt right, or like a mystery was, hunt, something yeah, like that's that. What, that's what I'm hearing here because the whole thing sounds like Doc Savage in space type stories. You know? Yeah. Um, the the book that we the storyline we just finished up, which is the Kickstarter that we're that's finishing up tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, is called star power and the lonely war and that star power f- going beyond the borders of the millennium federation for the first time and realizing just how bad things are outside of the outside of the outside of ah, it gets real it gets real because she's seen combat and she's seen battle but she's never seen war mm-hmm. and this and she's a civilian she's an astronomer she doesn't she doesn't have any like combat training she was she she looked she was a star nerd mm-hmm. who was given the ability to go out to the stars and now oh guess what you're responsible for trying to fix this and what's this it's a really complicated war 
Good luck. Nice. Uh, yeah, so it's a real test. And if you don't uphold the uh, the virtues of the star-powered sentinels, there might be a problem. Ooh. Yeah. All right. And we've just started up our fifth storyline. Uh, I say last what, last week, two weeks ago. Star Power and the Choir of Doctor Him. The Choir of is that Doctor H I M or, or like H Y M N? H Y M N. Nice. So we've already played like. Oh, I'm I'm listening to the new. It's one of Him's new choir works. Like no, his choir works. No, I didn't say Him's. I said Him, but. Hymns. Exactly. It's one of Hymns Hymns. It's one of Hymns Hymns. Hymns We're going to be doing hymns. that for the entire storyline. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Cool. You know, th- uh, throw those at a, uh, a curve of, I guess, comedy or just abject annoyance, which is... Yeah. You know, it's, it's abject annoyance is comedy t- for some. For some. If you're if you're watching somebody else getting slowly annoyed, it's hilarious. <laughs> if, you, if you can nail down the Tim and Eric crowd, I, th- I think we'll be all set. <laughs> Somebody pays those people, Herb. You believe that? <laughs> all right. So one, one one time, let me get a him. Oh, I like that. When I'm alone in this. Yeah, no, I know, man. <laughs> back. Let's him. Doctor. Oh man. <laughs> a little bit of a harmonizer. <laughs> All right, now that was for you, audience. <laughs> Those eargasms came courtesy of Star Power Comic. You can track them down at starpowercomic.com, and you still have time to uh, to give into this latest Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Kickstarter. If you search on Kickstarter, uh, Star Power and the Lonely War, or hell, even just Star Power, um, that's the one that comes up. All right, awesome. Michael, thank you very much. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Hopefully we can have uh, these guys back on to get an update on Star Power once it's a little farther on down. See how the heck that him situation went down. (laughs) 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 I'm trying trying to work in another him pun. It's coming to me. All right. okay, it'll come to you. Oh, Probably well, like after we go off the air, like you're like, oh, I got one, and then the way we're all that's we're how all, it always we're happens. All at home. <laughs> how it always happens. It'll be next Thursday. Or something. <laughs> I got one. No, I don't think you want it though. Uh-oh. You know what? Hey, go for it. Why, we're uh, already in the weeds. Oh. No, it was, it was really bad. You don't want it. Oh. it really <laughs> well, now that you've set it up yeah, so much, dude, we are uh, live. You are teasing. Well, no. all right, it wasn't. It wasn't really a him. It was more like you've built it up so much now. <laughs> it could have just been real quick. You could have just ripped off that bandaid, but no. Well, for him, better be good, Johnny. <laughs> it wasn't as harmonic. Uh, uh, sorry. You know what? It's good though. Him's him was less harmonious than him. I applaud the effort. I ought to said him's him was less harmonious than him's than him's him was intended to be. When I was when I was writing the script, um, Garth, uh, the the artist for Star Power, he wanted me to make Doctor Him's assistant, whose name is Karina. He wanted me to call her like Hair Karina, so it'd be him and her. Hair Karina, that's 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 tragic. He wanted that. Um, that I was like, I had to shoot it down. I'm like, uh, no, that is a good call. It's good. But like, I don't want to do that for five issues, Garth. I can't do it. I can't. It's too. It's too. Also, I, 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 researching what Herr means in German. That means that, that's like that's like German for Mister. Yeah. So I remembered Young Frankenstein, where like the assistant was always calling him Herr Doctor. Mm. I didn't know she was. I did just like, oh my god, she's been. She was calling him Mister Doctor like the entire movie. That's really funny. No. Oh, hey, doctor. All right, I knew like that. Mr. Doctor. Zone. I never thought about that specifically. <laughs> 
Um, it makes that it makes that little that little bit of young Frankenstein that much just a little bit funnier now. Like she's calling him Mr. Doctor the entire movie. Maybe there's an Eddie Izzard bit somewhere somewhere here. That we're, <laughs> we're All right, but we're nearing the end of our hour here. I'm going to close out with a uh, quick review of the disaster uh, the disaster artist and possibly touch on it a little more next week. But dude. Uh, the Disaster Artist is the movie starring James Franco and Dave Franco, and I think the first project where they've ever worked in as the brother-brother uh, combo to tell possibly the story of the greatest achievement in modern cinema to date. I mean, goodness knows what will come out tomorrow, but Tommy Wiseau and uh, Greg Sestero <laughs> in 2002 or 2003, I think it was, gave us the greatest bit of cinema um, is there a proper term for disa- disasterdom, disasterhood, disaster in there in is, horror? There is a term for a movie so bad. Trainwreck. No, it's uh, like some uh, weird. Trainwreck is up there. But. It's some weird cinematic official proper. thing. I can't remember mm. what it is though. Uh, cinema garbage, <laughs> if you will. There we go. But uh, we're talking, of course, about the disaster art of the room documenting the uh, events that uh, would eventually um, achieve the uh, cinema release of The Room, a movie made famous because it's so just daggone bad. And um, I have to say, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie, not just for the performances and the actual care that was given to this production, because you can tell that uh, James Franco himself was a fan. And hearing the the behind the scenes stories about how he met with Tommy Wiseau and uh, got approval on all these scenes of how he was going to portray him and not to say, hey, you're going to cut down anything I do because I'm lampooning you this whole time, but making sure he got mannerisms correctly, making sure lines were delivered and little nuances were covered and I appreciated the hell out of that because the room itself is a terrible terrible movie like horrible think of the worst movie you've ever, you've ever seen if it's not the room then the room is worse <laughs> <laughs> and they nailed every aspect I think a bit of license was taken in some of the uh, situations where that was probably a closeted conversation. How did you know this? You know, but besides that, everything else was done spot on. As somebody who's seen The Room many, many times in life <laughs> and has memorized uh, much of the dismay of my sense of good taste, uh, several parts of the movie, uh, I have to say, without hyperbole, they were. I think they gave the greatest uh, impression, interpretation, and display of the room that somebody can get without actually seeing the room. Which is surprising because James Franco was doing a Tommy Wiseau impression the entire time. Dave Franco is, I think, the breakout star of this movie, which is surprising. I mean, not that people know Dave Franco. This isn't like, oh, his big break in Hollywood. But he plays uh, Greg Sestero as, um, uh, Cicero, uh, as such a sympathetic figure. You see this guy as simply a, a, uh, a struggling actor, a guy who really felt he had no direction. This is his passion. This was his dream, but he lacked the self-confidence to do it. And he met this guy just in an acting class randomly one night who acknowledged he was bad, acknowledged nobody liked him, and it never fazed him because he was that sure of himself. He was that confident in not his own ability, but in just his sense of it's going to be all right for me that every time he went up on stage he was balls to the wall and left it all out there and that really meshed with uh with uh with uh Cicero and 
it drove him to want to be like this guy, to emulate this guy, and acknowledge that he has no talent, but still, this is somebody who, despite himself, has the drive and the uh, self-assuredness to know he's going to be all right no matter what. Unanswered confidence. Unanswered confidence, and that's not the only thing that would go unanswered, because the movie also touches on several different points where people would, in real life, mind you, I know this has happened several times, because Tommy Wiseau would swear, and has sworn, and still to this day swears for the longest time, that he's from either New York or Los Angeles, or, um, or uh, New Orleans, depending on where he, I was thinking LA, or uh, New Orleans, depending on where uh, the time in life that people ask him, where is he from? He's also never been clear about where his money comes from, yet he dropped, and mind you, anyone seen the room, think about how crappy it looks. The movie cost uh, almost $10 million, all from uh, all from Weasel's pocket. Uh, Tommy Wiseau, I, it, and it's never, it's, it's a Wiseau or Weasel. I've said both over the years. I don't think it matters that I've much I've always anymore. heard Wiseau. I've heard Wiseau, but knowing where it comes from, um, Okay, there's a long, there's a more complicated backstory there that the movie doesn't get into. The disaster artist does not get into, but um, when he supposedly came to America first, and he worked a lot in California uh, on the on the waterfronts as he sold like these little puppet birds, and he became as he became known as the Birdman. Uh, and in adopting a proper American name, because also nobody knows what his proper what his proper like birth name is, uh, Wazoo is the French word for bird. And he took uh, that as, a, he took a, um, uh, I don't know, a form of that as his last name. Uh-huh. So Tommy Birdman, Tommy and the Birdman became Tommy Wazel. An American take on the French label for bird. Yes. Uh-huh. So Tommy Wiseau, Tommy Tommy the Bird, Tommy Wazel. Um, that part isn't touched on in the movie. But it didn't need to. This was all about the production of the room itself and what would eventually propel uh, Wiseau and uh, and uh, Sero to unwitting stardom. Because it, they made such a bad movie and the entire time, this movie is very well aware of itself. It's aware that this is about a guy who is weird and everyone agrees is weird and everyone around them is like, this is a weird thing that we don't have to do and it's going to cost a lot of money. How about we do this, which is simple, practical, has been done a thousand times, has been proven to work. Like, no, no, we are, this is, this is, this is real Hollywood filmmaking. That's why I'm buying two different types of cameras to shoot simultaneously with. That's why I'm remaking a scene uh, that's set in the exact same visage on green screen as the room that's that's like 10 feet away from us <laughs> where we can plainly shoot there because this is how it's done in Hollywood <laughs> while real Hollywood uh, directors and producers and, uh, and DPs are telling them no that's not <laughs> we've never done it that way ever and it was beautiful the way that was all laid out a, a solid performance was given by Seth Rogen as the director who he had doubts and called Wiseau on every move like this is the wrong way to do it this is going to look terrible this is going to be awful but you know what the same way you've ever worked a bad job as long as that check clears you know it's just like you know what hey I, I, I gave my two cents you're still paying me I'm gonna do. The, I'm gonna do the best damn job I can do with this. What what's available? You can only go against the the paying man so much before you know you don't want to cross that line where all right you're not gonna listen to me mm-hmm. you're fired that yeah. kind of thing. Right? Yeah, he fires people like eight times in this movie. <laughs> really? He fires them and then it's like you're fired. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and every complaint that's been had about the movie that's been expressed 
um, apparently people had during the production. You know, like why in the sex scene are one we're seeing so much of Tommy's butt? Oh my god! And and nothing else. Oh, that's uh, why is he oh. make why is he making love to her belly button? Oh, you know, complaints people had during the movie. He's like humping her too high. Yeah, <laughs> to simulate it's mm -hmm. so. Uh, uh, and you gotta see it. You, you gotta have see to it. see it. It's it uh, oh, the sex scene is unbelievable. It's, oh, it is. Is this something where should I watch the disaster artist first and no. then watch the room? No, no, you, watch, no the room watch the room because the, the room. room watch the room. Take a good long break in between, just to reflect on the room and get the, let the full experience sink and in. And detox from it. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Detox no. From it. Wallow. Wallow in oh, it like man. like like see the movie <laughs> and then talk with friends who've seen the movie about how bad it is Compare notes on what you noticed that was terrible because as many times as I've seen as I've seen the movie I always talk to somebody else who's seen it and they point out something that was there <laughs> that I missed because I was just so Transfixed on all the other stuff. <laughs> that's horrible with this production. He goes to a flower shop Oh, the flower shop. That's supposedly scene. his favorite flower shop with a woman who it's his favorite customer Yet she doesn't recognize him when he comes in and all no idea how much anything costs and all the dialogue is like no one's facing the camera whenever they're no speaking one's, no one's facing the camera not facing each other and the whole transaction takes place in like 18 seconds oh my god yeah they give uh, it it takes like it's that, it's like it's like it made that flower shop by, scene is like 18 seconds of yeah it, it could have been written by michael machida they walk in they're talking to each other everything was well choreographed they're in by a a, they're out. slapping a key a slapping a typewriter my god yeah, but it's like, like I think that's the flower scene, the flower shop scene alone encapsulates just what is, just what this movie is. Yeah. It takes 18 seconds of your life. Indeed. The, the transition would be but one side, one side, it's like, if we actually had this conversation, Johnny, how you doing? Good to see you. Yeah, I know. I'm your favorite guy. Are we doing the podcast? Cool. We're on. Herb, we're shooting. Okay. Geek Down is over and we're out. And that was like the entire flower scene. Hey, I'm buying flowers. What's going on here? Have you heard this? You're my favorite customer. I know. I'm glad. To, I'm always happy to come here. here is, how, how much is this? Here's the exact cost for it. <laughs> and I'm walking out. Bye, doggy. <laughs> Bye, dog. You forgot the oh, dog. <laughs> and it's all done so well in the movie. And what I really like is it's, it'd be very easy to go in and just um, really force how bad the picture is. Because we all know it's bad. That's no secret. Actually presenting these things, giving honest performances. Uh, uh, sincere performances from everybody. I mentioned Seth Rogen kind of clowning, but he's playing the role of somebody who, yes, this is ridiculous to me, but I'm being paid for a job, so I'm here to do the job. I'm really happy when folks succeed, even though it's ridiculous and moronic, because this is my work. You know, um, uh, I forget his name. Uh, the guy with the teeth. I want to say Paul Shear. I know. Yeah. Okay. I think I think it's the guy. Uh, Paul Shear. He's got a big gap in his teeth. He's got a big gap in his teeth. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The comedian. Yeah, yeah, I know what yeah. you're talking about. Um, he gives a great performance as a guy who, this is ridiculous to me, I'm going to crack jokes, but I'm doing my job and I'm going to do it as well as possible, even though you have two cameras for me to actually uh, yeah. direct here. And I'm on, my job is to conduct one. And then he stands up for cast members when uh, Tommy's abusing them. Greg can't really step in because he's Tommy's close friend, but he knows um, he's a really unhinged guy. And uh, and Sheer is speaking for the rest of us. Like, why are you yelling at these innocent people? They're just doing their jobs, and they're here to do a job that you're paying them for, yet you're the one obstructing your own production. And he steps in like, hey, man, you can't treat people like this. You can't just be an a-hole. Like, this is not how things work. And also, this is not how you get your production done. We're working on your vision. And it was really good to see folks present this not as a cartoon. It could have very easily been just this ridiculous production that no one took any pride in and everybody had fun with this, but everyone gave it their all. And I really have to call out Dave Franco for 
such a great performance as just uh, somebody who was struggling. Not, I see this guy, I'm going to take advantage of him. And not like, oh, this fool ruined my life. I'm going to, none of that. It's this guy who's very um, honest about how he wants to act, but he acknowledges he does not have the confidence to make it. And if it wasn't for Tommy Wiseau, he never would have had the drive. Like, Wiseau pushes him to Hollywood. Wiseau pushes him to be in productions and pushes him to work on this film. You know, and it's done in the classic Tommy Wiseau wacky way. But uh, it's presented as, yes, this dude kind of ruined my career. But he got me to that point where I had a career to ruin. You know, so it's very surprising to see it, it, it taken in that direction because it's still hilarious. But it's not forced hilarity. Well, it's good. It's just the concept of the room is so ridiculous. And Tommy Wiseau himself is just a crazy figure but it can't help but be it can't help but be ridiculously enjoyable to watch the movie's called the disaster artist i give it a high thumbs up um what do you say mike i've heard yes. that um greg sestero um does the, the, the um sorry about this Greg Sestero does the audiobook reading of The Disaster Artist, which is the book he wrote. Which is It's based off the book he wrote, yeah. which is about the uh, production of the movie, yes. What, what I've been told is that his Tommy Wiseau impression is, like, spot on. Oh, I have I, not heard, I haven't heard the it. audiobook. Uh, I I'm, would. I'm super. I've been super curious to read the book for years, mm. but now that the movie's out, I'm like, well, let's see what. If we can get around, if we can get around the copyrights, maybe we'll splice uh, in some of it in the uh, post recording of this <laughs> uh, to put up on YouTube. But um, James Franco does a pretty daggone good Tommy Wiseau himself, and surprisingly, the only the only the only uh, complaint I've heard about it actually came from another comic. Uh, she was talking about how because her husband is um, is uh, is well is European. I don't know exactly where she's more familiar with the Polish accent and was able to identify. Yeah, so I, I watched it and um, Franco's really doing more of a Swedish accent than a Polish. <laughs> and the, I'm, I'm like, I didn't hear anything. What's the difference? Well, in the Swedish, they elongate the vowels just slightly longer than the Polish, so I could hear it the whole time. I'm like, you are the only person on earth. <laughs> I, I, there, are, there are Polish people themselves who are not going to pick up on that. You are really digging deep. Uh, but besides that, I mean, that was her nitpick, not mine. I enjoyed the crap out of this. And at the end, it had a pretty beautiful ending. It ends with the um, the release of the uh, of the the very brief th uh, <laughs> theatrical, <laughs> the, theatrical release, which uh, Wise Tommy Wiseau paid for himself Jeez. out of pocket for it to run in I think one theater in L.A. for two weeks. The place that premiered, it ran there for two weeks. He paid for it to, to, an extra two weeks, mind you. He paid for it to run because nobody picked it up. And no one, to this day, no one has any idea where his money comes from. And he's still loaded. So it's not about, well, he put all his money in this film and it failed. No, no. And the movie is the most successful bad film of all time. He and Greg still tour together to talk about the movie. And they make appearance, appearances at live screenings. And I would love to meet them myself. And, just, <laughs> and not, even, not even for questions, just to, just to say I was there. Just shake his hand and that's it. Absolutely. Just, How often it, just hand him a microphone, just let him talk. Just let him go. How often have you wanted to like meet somebody because their work was so bad? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, the movie's called The Disaster Artist. It's, out, it's in theaters right now. I give it a, a, an absolute thumbs up. I might even see it again. 
I love the room so much. I've seen the room many, many times. The Disaster Artist was really well presented, really well done. It was made with care and affection, surprisingly. It was made with appreciation. I, I really, really appreciated that as a fan of this terrible fiction. <laughs> and um, it's something I think anyone who's really uh, into the room for how bad it is or how a well-made and bad movie or the, even just the phenomenon it's, it's become over the past few years can appreciate. Uh, I don't even, I don't know. And the last thing I'll say about it is to prove how accurate they were, the um, post-credits is, a, there's a mid-credits scene that is um, various, not outtakes, but various scenes from the movie. Some that went in the picture and some that didn't, but they still filmed. Uh, f uh, played side by side with the original scene from The Room. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, awesome. And with the exception of someone looking here and the actual room, they're looking here, you know, minor things like that. It is spot on with everything and I love that so much. I That's appreciated cool. that uh, severely. So the disaster artist, I highly recommend it. And we have run uh, not just out of time, I think we might be overtime. Oh, so yeah. uh Herb. <laughs> all right, but this has been the Geek Down here on WEMF Radio. I want to thank you all for joining us. I want to thank uh, my I forget your last name. I'm sorry. Start with a Michael Tarracciano. Michael Tarracciano. I'm not I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> uh, uh, Michael Tarracciano from Star Power Comics. Check him out at starpowercomic.com and the Kickstarter has how much more time? 48 hours. That's what it like, says on the website. 48? Uh, I think it's, website. I think we're I think we're going to like 23 hours. No, 20 25 hours. All right. And it's tomorrow night. Either way, put your knees to the breeze and get on that real quick. It's uh, Star Power Comic. You search Star Power on Kickstarter and it should be all good. I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, man. Oh, Appreciate it. You're welcome back anytime, man. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that. All right. want to thank Just Johnny. Yo. want to thank DJ Herbert Herb. Woo! And I want to <laughs> thank you, fine people. Once again, you can catch us on Geek Down radio at gmail.com if you have anything to say about what you heard tonight you want to hit us up in the comics or talk about any old game systems you have that are obsolete and sucked and you dropped it one time and it broke and that little cracked uh, screen sent ink everywhere but you couldn't return to the store because all sales were final and how the hell am I going to play Tecmo Bowl now or also uh, <laughs> check us out on Facebook on Twitter we're all over the place hit us up on SoundCloud on iTunes like and subscribe and we will catch you all next week same bad time same bad channel if you weren't uh, watching, you were just listening. Check us out on twitch.tv slash thegeekdown and also go to the YouTube channel. We are all over the internet. And also, we will be right back here. Same bad time, same bad channel. But until then, be excellent to each other. Peace. Hello, musicians. If you